Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. Are you looking for a great website that gives you history the way it was intended to be told? With no PC, no Marxism, no progressivism. Well, I've got it for you. It's LearnTrueHistory.com. That's LearnTrueHistory.com. Learn history from great professors who don't sugarcoat it for you. This is not for your delicate flowers. That's LearnTrueHistory.com. LearnTrueHistory.com. Com. This is The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. This is episode 53. Glad to be back in the chair. I know it's been a little while, and I said I'd be going uh, more regularly in the last podcast, but some... Uh, unforeseen circumstances at home have prevented me from doing this podcast, but hopefully some of those things are getting smoothed out now, and uh, I can get back in the chair and get back on this podcast, which I love to do, to talk to my fans and uh, listeners, and uh, this is a a great time. So uh, hopefully this uh, next couple of weeks of January will be a pretty regular schedule. Uh, If not, it'll definitely be February. But I had a a listener uh, email me a little, almost two weeks ago, uh, with a few questions, and he had been uh, on the Jason Stapleton program Facebook page, which uh, I'm also on, uh, but he had said there was a conversation there about uh, incorporation of the Bill of Rights and uh, the 14th Amendment, and it was a fairly lively discussion, and I had followed it a little bit because someone had tagged me in it, uh, but I did not uh, participate in the discussion, but <clears throat> this particular listener said, hey, look, these things are being said, and um I'd love for you to weigh in on some of these issues uh, because there's a lot of confusion. And so this particular uh, uh, listener said, here, here are the questions that I have, and um, would you be willing to, uh, to respond to these? Uh, so I responded back, this would be a great podcast. I had some other ideas I wanted to do, particularly at the end of last year, that would have been really good uh, for a podcast. And uh, unfortunately, again, I, I just haven't had a chance to do it, but I will do them. Uh, but this one was just too good. I had to go out and podcast about it. Um, so if you're a Jason Stapleton program listener, in fact, what's really cool is I've heard some uh, advertisements for the Jason Stapleton program on a local radio show that I listen to on the radio, advertising for a podcast. So that's that's pretty interesting. But it is a good show, and uh, I, I appreciate any Jason Stapleton program listeners that listen to my podcast. And um, so thank you for that. And uh, please spread the word. But let uh, let the other Jason Stapleton listeners who were uh, responding to this know that I've answered their questions. And so here they are. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna address these individually <clears throat> because this is in a larger issue here. Uh, these are uh, questions that actually pertain to one particular uh, blanket answer. Several of them, and then another one, another two. I'll answer uh, individually. So <clears throat> first and foremost. Let's start with the question. So, uh, the first question. People say the Bill of Rights doesn't apply to the states. Can state governments ban free speech? Can they institute a state religion? Obviously, California believes it can infringe on the Second Amendment. Can states just do away with due process? How come when uh, so many federal laws get appealed to the federal court system? And how come when a federal appeals court rules a law unconstitutional based on the Bill of Rights, it affects the entire circuit? So those last two questions I'm going to deal with individually, or at least together, and then the first four I'm going to deal with together. 
And in fact, this is interesting because this particular issue I bring up in my forthcoming book, How Alexander Hamilton Screwed Up America and Three Judges Who Helped, because the entire basis of the book is an attack on nationalism. And uh, nationalism, I think, is the greatest problem in America today. And unfortunately, a bunch of libertarians also subscribe to nationalism uh, because this is how we've been taught the American system works. It's been ingrained into our minds since we were little minds of mush in kindergarten. And people were saying, you know what, you stand up, you take the Pledge of Allegiance. We're one nation under God, indivisible, with uh, liberty and justice for all. And so from that point forward, you're taught that the central government, the central authority, is the uh, ultimate judge of all issues under the sun. They can uh, tax the water, the air, and do anything we want. And so when people have problems, they look to the central authority, even people who believe in liberty. Uh, They look to the central authority to solve these issues because they think the states are going to abuse power. And I think this comes from a perception That goes back to about the middle of the 20th century when we talk about issues like segregation uh, because the states, of course, were imposing segregation. And uh, it's thought that, of course, the states are just going to abuse everyone's civil liberties uh, and they are the greatest threat to liberty in America. Well, this is completely false. It always has been. In fact, the states have long been um, at the vanguard of reform some of it bad reform, but they've long been at the vanguard of reform and actually pursuing liberty for their individual constituents. So let's talk about some of these questions. First, the Bill of Rights doesn't apply to the states. This is very true. The Bill of Rights was never intended to apply to the states. In fact, if you look at the preamble to the Bill of Rights, it says that these particular amendments were going to be restrictive clauses on the central authority. Now, it doesn't say... Um, they're on the central authority, but it was to, to prevent misconstruction, as it said. Now, if you look at the Bill of Rights, the Tenth Amendment, of course, is included in the Bill of Rights. And when those Bill of Rights were being presented to Madison from the states, the Tenth Amendment was usually first on the list. So the states were concerned that the Constitution was going to abuse the states and that misconstruction would be used to enlarge the powers of the central authority beyond what was intended. And in fact, when you go back to the ratification process and you look at uh, what the friends of the Constitution, the proponents, were saying, they would say, of course, that the powers of the central government were only contained in Article One, Section 8. They couldn't go beyond the delegated or enumerated authority there. As you look at, the, at Article 1, it says all legislative powers herein granted. Well, who's doing the granting? The people of the states. And, of course, a granted power can be rescinded. But they were concerned that these powers would be enlarged, unconstitutionally enlarged, so they wanted to ensure that there was a Bill of Rights to say, well, here you go. Uh, These are the powers that are delegated to the central authority. You cannot go beyond these powers. And, of course, the Ninth and Tenth Amendment take care of that problem. So this is um, why the Bill of Rights does not apply to the states. Now, I'm going to also explain... When the Bill of Rights were being presented, someone like uh, Roger Sherman of Connecticut said a Bill of Rights was unnecessary. And you might think, my gosh, here's a guy, he's going to want to enlarge central power. No, Roger Sherman of Connecticut actually was saying the Bill of Rights were unnecessary because every state constitution already has a Bill of Rights. And if you enumerate a list of civil liberties that are 
um, protected by a Bill of Rights, well, what happens if it's not on that list? Then the central government can somehow believe they can go beyond that list, and if it's not there, they can do it. So, in fact, this is why we have the Ninth Amendment to the Constitution. Uh, the Ninth Amendment is the kind of catch-all amendment. Basically, it says, look, even though we haven't enumerated every civil liberty, it doesn't mean the central government can infringe upon those civil liberties. But the states are a whole other issue. Okay, so the, the Bill of Rights was to apply only to the central authority. It did not apply to the states. So uh, this idea of the Bill of Rights applying to the states <clears throat> was something that was made expressly clear by, for example, John Marshall, who said the Bill of Rights doesn't apply to the states. And John Marshall was a nationalist. And that was the consensus up until the 1860s. Now, what happened there is rather interesting. After the war between the states, uh, you had discussion about the 14th Amendment. <clears throat> now, when the 14th Amendment was presented to the Congress, there was some discussion about the some Republicans that said, well, look, the Bill of Rights already applies to the states uh, because of the Declaration of Independence. Now, this is the most convoluted and stupid argument I've ever heard in my life. The Declaration of Independence is no legal document. But people were saying, no, 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 the Bill of Rights already applies to the states because uh, we just say it does. But everyone knew that wasn't the case. And so you have the Republicans standing up and saying, well, we, you know, we've got the Bill of Rights already, but we're going to have the 14th Amendment, and the 14th Amendment is going to protect uh, civil liberties in the states. Now, certain people in, in the Republican Party suggested that the 14th Amendment would incorporate the Bill of Rights into the state constitutions. But they were, they were the minority, and that was not the dominant, or, or I should say the prevailing opinion in the Congress. Uh, and I think uh, Raoul Berger, who wrote a book, um, Government by Judiciary, has pretty much put that idea that the 14th Amendment somehow was intended to incorporate the Bill of Rights. I think he put it to rest, even though we've got Supreme Court justices like Hugo Black, who insist that the uh, Bill of Rights has been applied to the states, or incorporated in the state constitutions by the 14th Amendment. This is simply not true. So, there we go. Uh, this is what happened. The 14th Amendment supposedly incorporated the Bill of Rights, but when you look at the actual debates, and you look at what was said, and you look at how the 14th Amendment was ratified and the intent of the 14th Amendment by the majority, that was not the case. So what's happened over time is you've got some, some Supreme Court justices, namely Hugo Black, the most important of the bunch, who said that the Bill of Rights applied to the states. This is simply not true. So the question is, can state governments ban free speech? No, because if you look at every state constitution, they have a protection on free speech in those state constitutions. Now, I think that uh, we can discuss, does free speech have limits? And, of course, state constitutions... Uh, state courts could say, well, there are limits on free speech, just like the federal court system has done. What constitutes speech? What is free speech? So these are, these are questions that, uh, of course, are going to get adjudicated. But state constitutions also protect freedom of speech, just as Roger Sherman said they did. And so, therefore, uh, you know, free speech is something that's protected by your state constitution. Now, what's interesting, when you had the Alien and Sedition Acts of 1798, there are individuals saying these laws are unconstitutional to the general government, but the states could pass a sedition law. And this is very true. So states have more wiggle room, 
But your state constitutions, if you look at them, and of course, just go out to you know some place like Wikipedia. They have a list of all state constitutions. Just pull up your state constitution wherever you live. If you live in Minnesota, pull up your state constitution. If you live in Alabama or Georgia, pull up your state constitution. If you live in California, pull it up. Look at it. Because what you're going to find is that you have protections for civil liberties in those state constitutions. Can states institute a state religion? Well, if the state constitution allows it, yes. And in fact, when the federal constitution was ratified in 1787 and when the Bill of Rights was adopted in 1791, there were still three states in the Union that had state-sponsored religions. They were all in New England. And so those states did have a state religion. Now, if the state constitution allows it, they can. But last time I checked, all 50 states have a prohibition on state religion. But in 1787, there were three states that still had one. Again, look at your state constitution. The problem is that we don't even understand our own state constitutions. When we have questions of civil liberties, we should be going to our state constitution and saying, what does our state constitution say on the issue? And we should be challenging the issue in state court, not in federal court. There was actually a case uh, here in in Alabama. We have... um, red light cameras, and I know a lot of states are using these, and uh, they only do it from behind. They don't have the, the forward camera so they can actually take a picture of who's driving the vehicle. They just take a picture of the of the license plate. And some knucklehead here in the local town in which I live got a, got a ticket in the mail. And so he didn't go to state court to challenge this. He just appealed right to a federal court, and I'm going to get into that in the end. He just went right to a federal court. This is stupid. It's not a federal issue. This is a state issue. But this is what everyone thinks. Well, I have a problem, so I'm just going to appeal to a federal court. You don't do that. You look at your state court. Now, obviously, California believes it can infringe on the Second Amendment. What California is doing is not a Second Amendment problem. Um, I have said on this podcast many times that the Second Amendment protects citizens from federal regulation of firearms. And, uh, you know, I know uh, Kevin Goodsman responded, what about this, what about this, what about this? Um, he asked me some questions. Well, I would still respond that the Second Amendment prevents the general government from infringing on or passing any legislation regulating, uh, negatively regulating firearms. Uh, Now, the states can do it all day long, depending on your state constitution. So you should look at the California state constitution. Can the state of California regulate firearms? Well, that's a very good question. Uh, All you got to do is go out to it and see. So when you go out to the text of the California Constitution, uh, you have Article 1, which is the Declaration of Rights. Uh, And so if you go down here and look at the Declaration of Rights, uh, you can see if there is a actual declaration of right for firearms. And what you find in the California Constitution is that there's no protection for firearms in its declaration of rights. So, when you look at that particular uh, question, California believes it can infringe on the Second Amendment. No, it's not infringing on the Second Amendment. California is passing firearm regulations because there's nothing in the state constitution that says they can't do it. And, of course, uh, the Second Amendment only applies to the general government. So, 
As in the case of uh, the time when the Second Amendment was actually ratified, states could regulate firearms. And uh, California does not have in its constitution anything stating any particular language on firearms. So if you really want to protect yourself in California, don't appeal to the Second Amendment. Go out and amend your state constitution. Or you can vote with your feet. Just move from California. So this is not a Second Amendment issue. This is a state issue. And I think that's the real, uh, the real kicker here, that people don't realize that. Uh, can states do away with due process? Absolutely not. Every state constitution has... Um, a uh, protection for due process. In fact, again, looking at the California Constitution, it's lengthy in what they go through with that. So the states actually have fairly substantial protections for these civil liberties, but people don't realize it because they don't read their state constitution. Your first protection should be from your state. You know, here in, in, uh, in Alabama, where I live, there's a pretty strong, quote-unquote, Second Amendment in the state constitution. Uh, there is also a very strong one in Florida, and certain states have it, but California does not have any specific language protecting firearms. And I think that's, that's where the people of California that are interested in protecting uh, firearms and their, and their ability to have firearms, should, that's their first line of defense, not the federal government, because uh, this is not a quote-unquote national issue. Again, that's the real, the real problem with uh, our, our American system now, is that everyone thinks every issue is national. It's not. Uh, these issues are state issues. And so if you don't like the state you live in, move. Move to a different state. You can do that. You can't move out of the—I mean, you could renounce your U.S. citizenship and get out of the U.S. If we make these issues all national, then we're really in trouble because now we're dependent on the federal court system to protect civil liberties. And they have done a very poor job of that uh, in a lot of ways. And, of course, uh, they love expanding their own power. So— uh, I think that the, the real problem here is that um, we all make every issue a national issue. Now, the question, how come so many state laws get appealed to federal court? And that's because of Section 25 of the original Judiciary Act of 1789 allowed this to happen. So you'd sue in state court, and then a federal court could take up the issue, and, and eventually you just could bypass the state courts entirely. And uh, this happened by the 1820s. Uh, there's a very famous issue, uh, Cohen's v. Virginia, where uh, there was a state, there was a, actually, the, there was a lottery in Washington, D.C., and uh, the Cohen's brothers were, uh, were charged with the crime of selling these lottery tickets in Virginia, which was illegal, and these guys didn't even, didn't even uh, try to take it through the state court system. They just appealed right to the federal court, so they were, they were found guilty in a municipal court in Virginia, and they just said, you know what? We're just not even going to go up through the appeals process because Virginia had blocked that from taking place. Uh, Virginia had said certain laws could not go through the appeals process, and this was one of them, or certain decisions. This was one of them. And so the lawyers for the Cohens just said, okay, we're just going to appeal right to the federal court system. Well, this was unprecedented. Nobody ever done that before. And so this was taken up in federal court. And... Um, this is the first time that people had bypassed the state courts entirely because what had happened over time is that the state of Virginia had said, you know what, uh, too many issues are getting appealed to federal court. We'll just make sure only certain things are held in our, in our court of appeals, which is our Supreme Court in Virginia. Certain decisions are made there, and we're going to block the federal government from having any influence in these particular decisions whatsoever. 
And so, uh, you know, they just went around that. And so the Congress, the dirty little secret is that Congress could stop this from happening. They could just go out and say, you know what, these issues are not going to be heard in federal court. Boom, and they're done. These are only going to be heard in state courts. And in fact, when the Constitution was being ratified, John Marshall himself had said that there was very little that was going to be heard in federal court. Only federal laws, essentially, is a promise that he made, were going to be heard in federal court. We're not going to have a problem because state courts are going to be supreme within their own sphere. And this obviously was an issue that should have been heard in state court, and that was that. But no, no, not these guys. They just appeal it on up to the federal court system. And this is what's happened over time now. Again, you get a ticket in, in, uh, in Alabama, in a local, in a city in Alabama, and it's a red light camera, and you say, you know what, my federal rights have been violated. I'm going to appeal to federal court. That's stupid. And r- thankfully, uh, a federal judge had clarity and said, this is not a federal issue. This is a state issue. I wish they would do that with more issues because they don't have jurisdiction over a lot of the things that they go and rule on. And this gets to the last question. How come when a federal appeals court rules a law unconstitutional based on the Bill of Rights, it affects the entire circuit? Well, well, it shouldn't. As a matter of fact, it only applies to that particular case and that particular issue. The federal court system does not make law. So what should happen is the Congress now should get involved if it is a federal issue, and pass a law uh, taking care of the problem. And this has actually been, been this, this has been brought up several times throughout American history. Well, okay, so you had a, a federal appeals court has appealed on this particular case. That's the only case it affects. It doesn't affect every other case. Every case has to come through individually. And uh, we saw this here just recently. Uh, with the issue of same-sex marriage, same-sex unions um, in Alabama. Again, Roy Moore said, well, you know what? It doesn't apply to the to the state of Alabama. This is an issue that applies to Kentucky, and I control the probate judges, and I'm telling you, you don't have to issue same-sex marriage licenses. And you know what? He was legally correct. Of course, he was removed from the bench, but he's fighting that. But he was legally correct. The state of Alabama didn't have to listen to a decision made in Kentucky about one particular issue. Um, he's legally correct. Now, we can, we can not like the decision. Uh, we can not like what Roy Moore was saying, or if, that, if you're on that side, but he was legally correct. Federal courts do not make law. And so it really doesn't apply to the entire circuit. It applies to that particular case and that particular issue, and that's that. But what we've done over time, just, up oh, question settled, boom, close the book, shut it up, we're done, uh, every we just got to follow what that court said. No, you don't. Not until some particular uh, piece of legislation is passed saying this is now the case. Uh, in fact, if you look at the Defense of Marriage Act, which part of it I believe was unconstitutional, but one part of it essentially said, "Look, uh, you know, the states can decide this issue." So all that's happening here is that they were just reaffirming federalism in that particular issue. So we have to be very careful about all of these issues. State constitutions are your first line of defense, not the Bill of Rights. We need to stop looking at the United States Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Libertarians need to stop doing this too. 
uh, because you're creating more problems than you're solving. Go to your state constitutions, and if you don't like what's in your state constitution, try to amend it. And if that's not possible, then move to a state where your civil liberties are better protected. And again, when you look at uh, your state constitutions, they are more explicit generally in protection of civil liberty than the U.S. Bill of Rights, which was only intended to apply to the central government. And federal law. The federal government cannot, cannot infringe on these liberties, but the states could as long as they're not protected in the state constitution. But every constitution I've read has a protection of free speech and free press. Every, every state constitution has some type of protection of, of, a, of a freedom of religion. Not every state constitution has a protection on, quote-unquote, Second Amendment rights. I know Iowa does not, for example, and, I, and California uh, does not, uh, that I can find. But uh, many states do, so move to one of those states. Every state constitution has a protection of due process. In fact, oftentimes more explicit protection of due process than the U.S. Bill of Rights. Why do uh, state laws get appealed to federal court? Because of Section 25 of the 1789 Judiciary Act. That's a very simple solution to that. Repeal it. Get rid of that. Tell your congressman, get rid of that. And then that would never happen again. So if you really want the federal government to do something in this particular issue, get your congressman to go out and get rid of that egregious part of the 1789 Judiciary Act. Uh, people have been trying to do it since 1789. Uh, but this is the dirty little secret. Congress says, we can't do anything about this. We've got these, uh, these judges out there doing all these problems. Well, well we're going we're gonna to do something about that. Oh, okay. Just repeal Section 25. It's that simple. And then, uh, you know, federal appeals court makes something unconstitutional. It, again, the, the problem here is that too many judges and lawyers just say, okay, case is closed, shut the books, we're done. No, it, we do have to educate our legal profession and say, okay, well, you've ruled on that particular case, but it doesn't apply to everything because Congress has not passed any legislation to this effect, and neither has the state done anything. So it's ruled on that particular case, but it doesn't apply to every other uh, situation moving forward unless they take up every single case that deals with that particular issue. So I think this is where we need to be very consistent in our adherence to what's called federalism. If we believe in limited central authority, then you need to go out and really practice what you preach and say the central government has no authority over any of these issues except when it comes to federal legislation. Now, if the United States government passes a law banning free speech or passing a law saying everyone must belong to the Church of the United States or some type of um, infringement on Second Amendment rights, well, then you can go after it in federal court. But until then, if it's a state decision, like, for example, you know, in the state of California, they had a, an amendment to their constitution that said marriage is between a man and a woman. And a federal court said, that's unconstitutional. How? It's the people of the state of California, through their amendment process to their constitution, said this is the law of the land in California, and it only applies to California. They didn't care what happened in Nevada or Washington or Oregon around them or, or uh, Massachusetts or New York or Virginia or North Dakota. It applied to California alone. And there's nothing in the U.S. Constitution that allows the central government to make a decision in validating that particular constitutional amendment. This is the problem. We rely too much on 
the federal government and the federal court system. So this is a wonderful set of questions, and I hope it gets shared to the Jason Stapleton Program listeners. Uh, if you are a Jason Stapleton Program listener, you've never listened, never listened to my podcast before, please do. Uh, I'd love to have you on board, love your support. Uh, the Jason Stapleton Program is a great program. One day, maybe he'll have me on his show. It's one of the few uh, libertarian, uh, you know, large libertarian shows I've not been on before. Uh, maybe I'll get on his program at some point. Uh, but I hope this answered your questions. Uh, please, uh, you know, come on over to my Facebook page and start a discussion. Uh, that will be great. And uh, we can we can talk about it there. Uh, otherwise, shoot me an email if you want to know, uh, you know, have any other specific questions. I do invite listeners to go out and say, hey, I was thinking about this or thinking about that. Uh, come on out and uh, and do that, and I'd love to hear from you. So that's the Brian McClanahan Show. This is episode uh, 53. Hope to see you next time, and thanks for listening.